Chapter 26. There are things you shouldn't be worried about when your punishment is at long last over and you finally get to ride your bicycle again. Things like whether your bicycle will get stolen too or whether Betty Babcock might come barreling at you again in her yellow roadmaster. But those were exactly the things that were on my mind as I rode my bicycle to work. As I'd promised Mama and Daddy, I obeyed every safety law, looked both ways before I pedaled across the intersection, and most importantly, stopped at all red lights. Sheriff Hector Monk sailed by me in his patrol car and waved. Thankfully, Matt was back at work when I arrived. Before helping him, I took my bicycle inside. Hi, Mr. Hunter, I said. I'm going to park this inside the garage, if that's all right with you, I told him. He rose up from the hood of the car where his head had been buried. In case that bicycle thief makes a return visit? Yes, sir, considering what happened to yours. Be glad to keep my eyes on it and my ears alert. You're being mighty safe on it now, ain't you? Awfully safe, he smiled. Glad to know that. I would hate to have anything bad happen to a friend. Friend? Thank you, sir. I bet I know what you're thinking, but age has little to do with genuine friendship. Recipe for friendship is liking and trust. Respects gets mixed up in there, too. I thought for a minute about Tink being one of my best friends and replied, That sounds right. Park the Schwinn in the corner and headed off to do my work. Matthew looked practically good as new, eyes clear and blue, and together we manned the station. He was finally letting me check the oil without him watching over me, and I was getting the hang of the tire pressure gauge, too. The sun was shining, and for an August day in bird song, it wasn't too hot since the wind was blowing just enough. Daddy was on the car lot, and it looked like he was about to make a sale. I was glad, because the night before, he promised Mama and me a weekend to Hilton Head if he did. What happened that evening began to convince me that Merriweather had really meant it when he called me his friend. I was returning tools to the garage when I saw him. As usual, he was taking his lunch break, sitting propped up against the wall. You in a hurry, ask? No, kind of slow today, plus Matthew's back. Good, I have something to show you, Merriweather said as he pulled out his wallet. Wondering at what it could be, I quickly settled in beside him picture of me and my tank crew, the 761st, right before we got deployed, he explained, and presented a black and white snapshot. Five smiled colored soldiers in uniform stood beside a tank. Merriweather's face beamed. That's an M4 Sherman tank. I examined each face until I picked him out and pointed, this is you, huh? Yes, indeed. You have a good eye. Who are the others? One by one, he identified them. This man here was our commander. We called him Mozart, because whenever he had a break, his lips were on his harmonica, composing, he said. Real name was Emmanuel Bowman, out of Denver, Colorado. The one salutin' was a college boy named Vernon Morse from New Orleans, our ammunition loader. We called him Doc, because that is what he aimed to be someday was all set to enter Meharry Medical College in Nashville, but got drafted. Merriweather's eyes filled with water, but he didn't cry. He lost an arm and a leg and all his dreams. Of course, that there is me. I was the driver. What'd they call you? 
They called me Mary. Used to tease me with that kid's nursery rhyme. Mary had a little lamb. And this here, that's Fred Ratner, the gunner. We called him Rat for short. He was from Los Angeles, died instantly right in front of me out there in the Ardain Forest. <clears throat> we lost him and Mozart during the same battle on the same day. He hesitated before continuing. And that smiling fellow was Charlie Denton, my co-driver. He was born in Alabama, nicknamed him Custard on account of him having yellow skin. Charlie's settled up in Michigan now, working at the Ford Automobile Plant, always after me to join him. Says he'll have a job waiting for me. My wife, though, she's not fond of the cold, and besides that, she has her church work here, he remarked. <clears throat> Meriwether Hunter studied the picture again and sighed. Had some good times with those men, and of course, very hard ones, too. One thing I can honestly say about all of us, we were proud to serve our country. Right then, Patrick startled us. Hey, y'all, what you looking at? We'd been so focused on the photograph, neither of us heard him approach. Hurriedly, Merriweather slipped the photo into the pocket of his coveralls. Oh, nothing you'd be interested in, he said, as he stood and headed back to the garage. In his haste, he left a ripe peach sitting on top of his lunch bag. <clears throat> Patrick noticed the peach and called out, Hey, Uncle! Then, remembering how I felt about him calling all colored men Uncle, he glanced my way and said, What's his name again? Mr. Merriweather Hunter. Hey, Mr. Merriweather Hunter, if, you got, if you're not going to eat this peach, can I have it? Merriweather poked his head out of the garage. Yes, Patrick. Thank you. Welcome. Patrick walked alongside me in front of the station. If you're wondering what I'm doing here, truth is, I didn't have nothing else to do, he said, and between taking bites, bites of the peach, plus my daddy said a grease monkey, that's the same thing as a mechanic, is a good thing to be, and I ought to be over here learning as much as I can, even if I'm not going to get paid for it. And he also claims that just because your heart's set on something like mine is on becoming a Navy frogman doesn't mean it's going to really come true. So it'd be smart to learn something else if I can. And being a mechanic is something else. What you think about that? I think it's time for you to talk to my daddy. Morning's okay with you, daddy asked him when Patrick blurted out his proposal. Patrick tugged on his swim goggles. Sure, I suppose swimming could wait till the afternoon. Good, you can hitch a ride with me. And that was how Patrick Kelly became the unpaid apprentice mechanic at Jake's and how he came to be with us that morning when the most right-side-up world of mostly quiet Birdsong USA for a while turned upside down. Chapter 27 It was after 10 p.m. on Sunday, but someone was leaning on the doorbell and banging on our front door. I leaped out of bed. What in kingdom come? Daddy fussed. Mama and Daddy were already in their night clothes. It was Merriweather, breathing fast, his eyes red and looking wild. In my Daddy's language, he was all fueled up. It was him. I know it. Tried to kill my girl, he hollered. Tried to kill my girl. Who, Luke? Daddy asked. Lucas. Is Abigail hurt? Daddy asked. No, she's fine. Over at the church with my wife. Pastor and some of our men keep a watch just in case. Come inside and have a seat, Mr. Hunter, Mama softly beckoned. Somewhat reluctantly, he stepped over the threshold into the house, but instead of sitting, he paced. Tell me, Daddy said. 
A few hours ago, just this evening, we got home from a special church service in Charleston. I parked our car out back, and we came through the rear door. After a while, Abigail noticed what looks like a gift in the front porch. Daddy, look, there's a box, she says. And I figured, because last week was her birthday, someone from the church must have left it for her as a surprise, you know. So I tell her to go on and get it, and she goes out to the porch. It's for me, she said. It's got my name on it, Abigail, a father's delight. And me and Phoebe are smiling, and I tell her, go ahead and open it. Not thinking till she calls out, something's inside the box, moves, moving around. And just as I get outside, she opens the box, and it strikes at her, missing her by no more than a few inches. What? I asked. A diamond back rattlesnake. Mama let out a gasp. Lord, no. Lucky for me, there was a shovel close by, which I grabbed and jammed into its neck. You kill it, Daddy asked, with one blow. And what has you convinced it was Lucas? How would he know your girl's name and what it meant? Daddy questioned. I answered, because he asked her and she told him. I saw him talking to her. Abigail claimed the same thing, but there's something else. This was in the box, too. I knew I'd lost it somewhere the other day after I'd shown it to Gabriel. Now I figure it fell out of my coveralls in the garage and Lucas must have found it. It was the picture of Merriweather with his tank crew. Had to be him, I tell you. Had to be. You talked to the sheriff? Merriweather locked eyes with Daddy. For what? Got no proof. Besides, even if there had been a witness, colored folk accusing a white man would only likely bring me and mine more trouble. But Hector Monk's reasonable and a, and a good sheriff, Mama claimed. Merriweather turned his gaze to her. Not aiming to disrespect you, man ma'am, especially in your own house, but the way my people see it, like most sheriffs in these parts, he appears to belong to y'all. Colored people round here, we got nothing to protect us but our wits, and sometimes even those fail us. Now and then the good Lord takes over. But a child's involved. It has to be reported to the authorities. What if she had been killed, Mama argued. If she had been killed, it's likely I wouldn't be here talking to y'all. I'd be Abruptly, he stopped and took a deep breath. Got to be careful what I say in case y'all wind up under oath in a court of law, don't I? Daddy pleaded with him, promise me, Merriweather, that you won't take the law in your own hands. Merriweather opened his hands and stared at his palms. Been keeping promises all my life. Promised to be loyal to my country and bravely serve, which I did. And for the most part, I've even kept the Ten Commandments, commandments, except for the one that forbids us to covet. Hard for a colored man to see some of y'all what looks like heaven on earth and not long for it myself. His tears began flowing. I've been a good man, mostly kind, as honest as life would let me be. He hunched his shoulders. Would think this would be a sweet place, named the way it is. But even a good colored man can't be a real man in this town called Birdsong. The fire that had been in him a few minutes earlier, when he had rung our doorbell, had completely vanished. And my daddy, Jake Aberlin, embraced him as Mr. Merriweather Hunter sobbed. Chapter 28 It's attempted murder, I told them after Merriweather left. Lucas can't just get away with it. You got to do something. She's just a little girl. At least you got to fire him. Go on to bed. This was not for your eyes and ears, Daddy said. 
Why? Because it's the truth, I asked. No, because you're just a boy. I am not. In some places, I am practically a, be a man. This ain't some places. This is Birdsong, South Carolina. And in Birdsong, South Carolina, you're still a child. I'll handle this. Standing right in front of him, almost eye to eye, I glared. Hope so. Go on to bed now before it turns into something it shouldn't, Daddy commanded. Mama patted my shoulder. Go on, Gabriel. Good night. It ain't right. It ain't fair. And don't tell me it's just the ways of the South. Y'all ever figure the ways of the South are wrong? Y'all ever figure the ways of the South need changing? Y'all ever figure? That's enough for right now, Gabriel. We're all tired. Got a work day tomorrow, and now all this, Daddy said with a sigh. Good night. Hours later, I was still wide awake, staring into the darkness, questions coming at me one after the other, unable to find answers. Was it because of the picture and finding out about Meriwether being a tanker that had made Lucas do it? Or had he been planning this all along? Unless he confessed, there was no way to know. Nothing about this was fair or just. How could it be that a man can't protect his family or even feared going to the sheriff? One thing I was certain of was this. If Lucas had had even a sprinkling of Meriwether's goodness, I'd be sleeping soundly right now. How could anyone do such a thing? Over and over again, I pictured Abigail, the diamondback striking at her with its fangs, prepared to deliver its deadly venom, and the image made my body quiver. Finally, I dozed off, and it was well after sunrise when the sound of Patrick's voice outside woke me up. Gabriel, Gabriel, you awake? I'm here to ride to work with your daddy. I parted the curtains and motioned him to the back door, and that was when the front doorbell rang again. Daddy, already up and dressed, beat me to the door. Mama trailed him. I expected to see Meriwether again, but this time it was Sheriff Monk and his deputy, J.J. Carraway, because everything about the sheriff was round, especially his belly, and J.J. was a slender man. Whenever they were side by side, I couldn't help but be reminded of Laurel and Hardy. Morning, Sheriff J.J. Morning, Jake. Agatha. As soon as Patrick saw them, he joked, What's wrong? Someone get murdered or something? Sheriff Monk glanced from Patrick to me and said, We came to have a private talk with your daddy and mama. In other words, you want me and Gabriel to scram, huh? The sheriff nodded. I thought I saw a hint of smile on J.J. Carraway's lips. If it's about Meriwether and Lucas, I want to stay, I told daddy. Did they finally have a fight, Patrick asked? Because that day that Lucas spit tobacco on his foot, it's sure like they were about to. Remember? That comment seemed to turn on a light inside Sheriff Monk. He and J.J. shared a look. The boys can stay, he decided. Of course, Mama welcomed everyone to the dining room table and offered the men coffee, which they accepted. What can I help you with, gentlemen, with? Daddy asked. Not sure I'm a gentleman, Jake. And I know for certainly J.J. ain't. But that aside, we're here to ask y'all a few questions. About a visit I got first thing this morning at the office from Miss Felicity Duval. Felicity Duval, Daddy asked, found her on my doorstep at 6 a.m. Said she had a story to tell me about something disturbing to her that went on last night on the other side with a colored family. 
claimed someone left a box on the porch for the family's little gal and that this box contained a large diamondback rattler. <clears throat> Not sure how she got a hold of it, but she brought me the thing in the potato sack, included in the chopped off head. It's dead, of course, J.J. commented as he stirred the coffee Mama had given him. A diamondback? They's deadly, Patrick exclaimed. Anyhow, seems Miss Duval gives piano lessons to the gal. Name is, reached in his pocket and pulled out a water papers and searched. Abigail, Daddy told him. Girl's name is Abigail. Like I was saying, Miss Duval gives her piano lessons now and then. And she's fond of her and quite upset about this incident with the diamondback. You said you had questions, Hector, and I need to get to work, Daddy said. And me too, Patrick added. I need to get to work with him. I'm an apprentice mechanic now. The sheriff cleared his throat. Just want to know if you have any ideas whose the responsible party might be. As if to warn me not to speak, Mama gently squeezed my shoulder. Didn't Miss Duval say, she asked. No, ma'am. That seemed to be the one bit of information she was lacking, which was a surprise to me because generally she seems to know folks' business even before they know it themselves. The sheriff gave a grim smile. If the snake didn't bite her, isn't it still attempted murder because what in, was intended, I asked? You'd be best to try and sell more cars, Jake. Think you might have to send that boy to law school, J.J. said. Y'all certain you don't have any clues about who might have done such a thing? Sheriff Monk asked again. Like to be able to give an answer to Miss Duval and to the colored pastor if he comes calling, which I'm sure he will. You talked to Meriwether yet, my daddy asked? No. Plan to talk to him sometime this afternoon. Thought I'd stop here before talking to the boy, you know, get your impression of things. Can't bring myself to accuse a man without proof, daddy answered. With that, Sheriff Hector Monk took a big gulp of coffee, pushed away from the table, and stood up. I'd like to thank you fine folks for your time and good coffee, he said as he headed for the door. But before he and J.J. reached the door, he stopped in his tracks and turned to Daddy. Got one more question for you, Jake. What's that? Lucas and this boy, Merriweather. Would you say they get along? Daddy replied with his own question. How well do you know Lucas, Hector? Well enough. Then you already have the answer to your question.